our loving Father and our God. I pray that your word will go out through my mouth this morning and that it will not return to you empty but will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you sent it. For the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, would you sit down? Well, a few weeks ago, Alan began his sermon with a bath story. Well, if he can, so can I. When I was seven or eight years old, I learned that my grandmother had taken a cold bath every day of her life. Now, this seemed a pretty staggering piece of information. But for some reason, I decided to try it for myself. So I duly ran a bath full of cold water and dipped my toe in instantly to get out again. How on earth was I going to get my whole body into a bath of cold water? Then I imagined my grandmother standing there. Surely, if she could do it every single day, I could manage it once. Well, sheer willpower triumphed over common sense. And somehow I forced myself into the water, swooshed up and down twice and scrambled out, grabbing the towel around me. All I can say is you feel absolutely amazing afterwards. But I don't recommend it. (laughs) Well, today that brings me to Paul's final words to Timothy. And it would help if you would find page 1194 in your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Timothy, as we know, has been charged by Paul with tackling problems within the church at Ephesus, especially with the need to expose and refute false teaching. It was a tough call, a challenging situation in which Timothy would have to stick his neck out and maybe single-handedly confront others in positions of influence. A tough call. But here at the end of the letter, Paul addresses Timothy very personally about his own relationship with God. Look at verse 11. But you, man of God... Flee from all this. All this being what we looked at last week. The false doctrines mentioned in verse 3. Controversies and quarrels about words. Verse 4. Wanting to get rich. Many foolish and harmful desires. Why? Verse 10. Because these things cause people to wander from the faith. As a spiritual father to Timothy, Paul is concerned that this should not happen to him. And verse 20 is a cry from the heart. Oh, Timothy, 
Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Guard it, hold it tight, cherish it, and don't let anyone take it away from you. And then at the same time, turn away from, have nothing to do with the godless chatter and false so-called knowledge. Why? Because again, verse 21, in so doing, some have wandered from the faith. Paul senses a very real danger for his brother in Christ. For I tell you, no one is immune from losing their way spiritually. And those in Christian leadership are more vulnerable than most. One of my closest friends, whom I introduced to Jesus as a teenager, and who in her time brought many others to faith in Christ, has completely rejected what she once believed. I never thought it would happen, and it is heartbreaking. In truth, following Jesus Christ and keeping faith with him is never going to be an easy road. It takes endurance. That was one of the Christian virtues, verse 11, that Timothy is told to pursue. Pursue endurance, grit, hanging on in there. And it's also described, the Christian life, verse 12, as a good fight, struggle, one in which we need to fight and go on fighting against the enemy. So with all these challenges facing Timothy, what is it that will keep him going? Or rather, who is it who will strengthen him and strengthen us not to wander from the faith. Well, at this point, Paul calls, as it were, on three witnesses. Three witnesses who are watching our struggle. And each in their own way is willing us on. Well, let's look at the first ones. The first witnesses are our fellow believers. Paul, as we've seen time and again through this letter, stands alongside Timothy as a spiritual mentor. He gives Timothy personal one-to-one support, and that would have made a massive difference. You recall how he began the letter, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, right through to today's verses, But you, man of God, and oh, Timothy, God, what has been entrusted to you. Timothy would have been able to hold on to such words and to the love and commitment which went with those words. And they would have strengthened him not to follow the crowd, but to stay true to his calling. And then other believers are around as well to encourage and to challenge. Verse 12, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 
Paul is referring back to when Timothy was first saved. And he professed publicly that he had become a Christian at his baptism. This was a decisive moment in his personal history. And the witnesses are still there to remind him that he made a good beginning in his faith. But they're also now urging him on. Press on. Take a firmer hold of the eternal life you already have. Baptism is a key marker And Jesus made it clear that his disciples were to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So if today you are one of those people who think it's okay to be a private kind of Christian, may I challenge you to consider seriously getting baptized. It is the command of Jesus And as Jesus' church, we would love to be those witnesses standing alongside and praying for you as you follow Christ. So who strengthens us to keep going? Well, firstly, our fellow believers. Paul now calls to mind two further witnesses. Look at verse 13. In the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame. Two witnesses, God and Christ Jesus. Let's take them in that order. Firstly, God, who gives life to everything. John and Ruth Chambers, whom we've just prayed for, have given much of their time and energy over the years to training Christian leaders in Indonesia, just along the lines of Paul training Timothy. They have faithfully worked and prayed and struggled to present those leaders mature in Christ so that those leaders in turn can train their congregations. And one of the tools they have used is a translation of this book. It's a study of another of Paul's letters entitled, Integrity, Leading with God Watching. Leading with God Watching. Not leading that looks impressive to others. Not leading that looks to impress others. Not leading that even worries about what other people think, but being mindful all the time that God is watching, watching us and watching over us. And once again, this is both encouragement and challenge. You see, on a human level, Paul has passed on the commands to Timothy, but only God would see whether he actually carried them out. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we like it or not, God sees everything. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything 
is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We should have a right awareness, my friends, that we will one day have to give account of our lives to the God who is so holy that he lives in unapproachable light and seek day by day to live in ways that please him. But those of us who know that this same God loves us and loves us so much that he sent Jesus to save us, well, here is wonderful encouragement. We can never for a moment be out of his sight, this God who loves us. There is no struggle we go through which he doesn't see. There is no trial so testing which he doesn't go through with us. The one who gives life to everything is the God who watches over and strengthens us. So fellow believers are there alongside. God who sees everything. And now the third witness, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13 again. In the sight of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command and to keep it without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a past aspect to Jesus' witness which is there to encourage us. And there is a future aspect which is there to challenge. First, the past. Timothy, sorry, Paul clearly intends Timothy to make a link between his own good confession in the presence of many witnesses, verse 12, and Jesus' good confession while testifying, witnessing before Pontius Pilate. You see, Jesus is the model for how we are to go about standing firm in our faith when the call is tough and the pressure is great. If you want to look back to page 1087 in John 19, but otherwise just listen. You've heard it read. Jesus looks highly vulnerable at this point. There he stands before Pilate, representing the might of the Roman Empire, the highest authority in the land. And only this interrogation stands between Christ and his crucifixion. Well, today, let me pick just one lesson from the witness Jesus bears. In verse 8, Pilate asks Jesus very directly, where do you come from? And at this question, you notice Jesus does not go on the defensive, nor does he feel constrained to answer. He chooses not to say anything. That's interesting. And this so riles the governor that he starts to throw his weight around, angrily reminding Jesus that he has the power to free him 
or to crucify him? Consider Jesus' answer. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus knows he does not need to fear any human authorities, however boastful, however powerful they may seem to be, for he knows that the power of God is greater still. Jesus makes a good confession because it's a God confession. And Jesus is the one who supremely lives with God watching. So if you feel isolated or under pressure in some way, either because of your Christian faith or because of your Christian lifestyle, Jesus is the model we are given to follow. To all appearances, vulnerable before Pontius Pilate. But on a deeper level, completely secure in the love and the power of God. The God whom Paul reminds Timothy in verse 15 is the blessed and only ruler. The king above all other kings. The Lord above all other lords. The witness of Jesus reminds us of the true perspective of who is in control. And then Jesus presents a future challenge. We are to fulfill our calling, whatever that calling may be, just as Timothy was to fulfill his calling until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to return. It will be a definite historical event. And when he comes this time, no more vulnerability, but glory. Every eye will see him. But of course, we don't know when it will take place. But verse 15 assures us that God will bring it about in his own time. There is a fixed certainty in the future which should affect how we live now. Making the most of every opportunity, verse 11, to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Because to do so is to become more and more like Jesus. The point is that Paul and the early believers lived far more expectantly than we do. They expected to see Jesus return. And if we thought, never mind the queen coming to tea, but if we thought Jesus might wrap up time tomorrow, what opportunities might we then take? Very briefly, Paul explores one of them, what we do with wealth and money. Either we can place our hope in it, verse 17, which makes no sense at all because wealth is so uncertain and there's plenty of evidence around for that these days. Or we can view wealth from the eternal perspective. Whatever we have, money, houses, resources, to do good, to be willing to share, 
And thus, verse 19, lay up treasure for ourselves in eternity. So, to bring this letter and this sermon to a close. John and Ruth, as you move forward to fresh challenges, and as each one of us here, man of God, woman of God, asks our king, what do you require of me? What is my calling? Let us focus as often as we can on these three witnesses. May we look creatively for ways to encourage other believers and be willing to make ourselves accountable to those who will challenge us to keep going. May we live each day more and more aware that we live with God watching. And may Jesus himself be our model of how to keep faith in an unfaithful world. Grace be with you. Let's pray. And let's just be still for a moment. And I invite you just to say to your king, what do you want to say to me? Or what do you require of me? And listen. Lord God, pour out your Spirit upon us, we pray. All your resources to keep this calling that you have laid upon us and to keep faith with Jesus Christ. Make us encouragers and challengers of one another in myriad creative ways. And may we keep looking to you our God who watches everything, and to Jesus on the throne waiting to return, that we may be those who receive from him a crown and share his glory. For his name's sake. Amen.